Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Risk with Dr. Naveen Agarwal. Each week we talk about a topic related to risk management of medical devices in a very casual and informal way. This is not a webinar or lecture, rather our goal is to talk about key topics and challenges in a very informal way and share best practices. I'm your host Naveen Agarwal and I'm the principal and founder at Achieve where my personal mission is to help you achieve success in risk management. In this episode, I'm joined by Christy Johnson, who advises small startups in building very efficient and compliant quality management and risk management systems. We talk about the role of empathy and how risk practitioners can really benefit from building this leadership skills as they work with their teams, especially in a small startup environment. We had this conversation in front of a live audience as part of a LinkedIn live audio event. You're about to hear a recording of our conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. First, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to uh, our audience today? Sure, I would love to. And Naveen, thanks for hosting these events. This is a super fun way for us to have some uh, community amongst risk management nerds, or maybe <laughs> maybe you don't know you're a nerd yet. Maybe you will be soon. <laughs> Uh, but I appreciate you. Um, so I am a mechanical engineer, um, worked for some big companies, GE and Hologic, um, spent some time at a kind of mid-stage startup company, med device company, where I got my bootstrap education in uh, all things product development and quality. Um, and then in 2016, my first daughter was born and I was driving an hour each way to work, you know pumping in the car mm -hmm. and only seeing her the hour before bedtime and just decided like this isn't living I can uh, I'm not a tree I can make a change mm -hmm. um, so that that's when I started my company um, helping small startups and entrepreneurs in uh, the medical device space uh, establish quality management systems um, build risk management files um, and really, it's turned into uh, now I'm a, I've merged my company into um, I met someone who is in a similar space and we merged into his the company he founded called Product. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I got there. Risk management, um, risk management is kind of my sweet spot. It's like the thing that like gets me gets me up in the morning, gets me super excited. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's that's really awesome. So you have actually seen both worlds. You have seen a big company environment and you have seen a small company environment. Uh, how was that transition for you? Can you uh, say a little bit more about it? And what were some of your initial struggles? Um, so the big company was much more siloed. It was, for me, um, I am such a big picture thinker, which is, I think, why I love risk management so much. So for me, going from this, the big company where you you live in one super narrow small lane um, maybe you own a part or a, uh, a couple of parts or processes but you're exposed to like the big picture mm -hmm. uh, of the use of the device or the um, the product whatever it is and moving to the small company where I got to like touch really everything and kind of get my hands and understanding around um, the system in general and all the interactions between all the different processes and parts and the clinical use um that was like really the most exciting thing for me and as soon as i went small with a small company i i realized like i will i will never look back at the big mm -hmm. company mm -hmm. it's just a better fit for me oh i see so 
you were naturally kind of excited about those things. Uh, but was was there something during the transition that you personally found challenging to adjust to? Um, transitioning to the small company, um, probably the, the speed that you have to learn new things and be able to just like pick something new up, uh, own it and implement it. Um, that was challenging at first. I remember thinking, I just did in a week what would have taken me two months at my old company. <laughs> um, so that the definitely like the speed and the expectations to to um, you know pick up something new and run with it. Um, that was for sure a challenge. It's also exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you can't be you you cannot hide behind paperwork anymore, right? You can't. Right. Yeah. You can't. So you have to produce yourselves. So Christy, I know one of the things that you mentioned when we just were talking a little bit before uh, going live was during your training now that when you engage with people and help them really understand quality and regulatory and risk management, uh, you have an interesting way of starting that. Can you share a little bit more about what your approach is and why you decided to take that approach? Right, sure. So, I mean, I get giddy when I talk about risk management. Mm -hmm. um, even like my four and seven year olds ask me like I'm standing like if I'm standing on the kitchen counter to reach something high. I mean, my seven year old will even say to me something like, "Mom, have you considered the severity of the harm of that talk?" <laughs> like they're ridiculous. Oh, like that's... you can like like I can't turn it off. Like I love it. It's like risk management to me. My husband's like, "You have a sickness," and he's right. Like it's delicious. <laughs> I love it. I love. But but not everybody thinks so. Not everyone shares that enthusiasm, and for good reason. Like it's. It's dry and repetitive and um, it takes time and resources, which means money. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't get a prototype when you're done with it. You can hold in your hands and sh go show investors. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of other perfectly rational reasons that um, people roll their eyes when they think about risk management. It, it makes total sense. Um, so when I, when I start training a new team, I mean, normally, I mean, think about the scope of my teams. I mean, they're... They're probably my smallest team is one person, mm -hmm. I guess, plus his daughter, two people. Mm -hmm. um, and the biggest team I help, I mean, maybe 20, 25 people. But but these are small. These are most of most of them are under 10 people. They're small teams. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them don't have a background in risk management. A lot of them don't have a background in medical device development a lot of like imagine two PhDs out of MIT with a cool idea okay. and and a really good idea and they're like we're going to make this into a product and so right. they have you know a team of five maybe mostly scientists and we sit down and um, the very first thing I like to do when I'm doing risk management training is ask people to say out loud why they don't want to be there nice <laughs> so it's literally making them say out loud like like I know you're thinking. Like here's some ideas. Um, somebody's thinking I don't have time for this. Uh -huh. Somebody's here thinking this is quality's job. Why am I here? <laughs> I don't have. I don't have time for this. I don't have. Uh, you know, we already did our FMEA. That's my favorite one. We already <laughs> did the FMEA. Why am I here? <laughs> um, or you know, my team won't change their ways. Why are we here? <laughs> so that I think there's value. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very interesting. Uh, the fact that you can get people to open up. Isn't that an exercise in developing empathy, right? I think we want to talk about empathy, what it is. Uh, it's not just a, you know, touchy-feely thing. It's about really caring for people. So uh, 
I'm curious, why did you decide to take this approach in your training? What prompted you? And so the so one thing you'll learn about us if you work with us at product is that we take sort of a, an abnormal approach to um, our advisory services. We we openly share our our stories and our scars. And some of this learning is just school of hard knocks. I've done it wrong. And I've tried to teach risk management wrong mm-hmm. so many times where, you know, I go in, I'll conduct training, I'll I'll put in place SOPs and work instructions and help coach someone. And then three months later, you know, I come and check in and it hasn't been touched and no one's talking about it. And, you know, people are on their phones during training mm-hmm. or they're not really like I've just done it. I've seen it go wrong and just go over people's heads so many times that um I got. I had to get creative. I see with how we do things. So what's what's interesting to note here is that you kind of reflected on that, and you just didn't say, "Hey guys, I'm here to train. You must do this because this is important." You took the other approach. You tried to ask the question, "Why is it that these folks are not interested?" And let's learn from it. Like you, I think that shows a little bit of courage and vulnerability. That's what I'm trying to say, and I'm very curious to really learn from you. How how did you get to that point? Because in our professional environment, this is just me kind of going out on uh, in my opinion world that we are very hesitant to show our vulnerabilities. Our culture is not very supportive of that. Okay. So how is it that this, it happened to you? And what prompted you to take that step? I don't think business relationships necessarily have to be all that different from how we conduct ourselves with our non-business relationships, right? Everyone has mm-hmm. aspirations and desires and hopes and fears and and experiences in their professional and personal lives. And those are things that impact us in our professional life, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, you it's like, think about it like a friend, um, a friend you meet in the neighborhood like this is my life right now right i've got two small kids i've got we live in a neighborhood with lots of other similarly working parents who send their kids to the same school as ours it's great and when i'm meeting new people it's not just i don't just ex- sit down and expect them to just open up and share with me their hesitations or their their fears or what their you know how their life is going i I have to do the same too. You know, yeah. you make friends by being a friend. You, yeah. you, you can build transparency and vulnerability by being transparent yeah. and vulnerable. Yeah, that is really awesome. And I think that the key message here, um, colleagues, is that we get so lost in our world. You know, ISO 14971, this regulation, that regulation, you must do it this way, that way. We forget the people's side of the story. And that is the key message that we want to focus on today. And I want to open up the conversation right now uh, with all of you. And I know, Becky, you are raising your hand, so I'm going to invite you uh, first. But uh, we want to talk about the people's side. And we want to talk about how we can win. In fact, Becky, welcome to you because you were one of my guests uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, So I'm really glad to first welcome you again. And it is during our conversation, I remember, we were talking about winning the hearts and minds first. Uh, so that's what we want to focus on today. Becky, please share what you have in mind. Hi, Naveen. Hi, Christy. Great to uh, great to listen to you. I think it was actually one of Christy's comments 
um, yes. when when you and I were talking, Naveen, um, that that kind of prompted this whole thing. Um, so I'm really I'm really glad to hear more from Christy today. Um, I I just I'm uh, I'm reading a book about influence, and I just started it. And one of the kind of main levers of um, to influence people that the author is talking about is this whole idea of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of, it, it reminded me of, of what Christy was talking about here with, with empathy and with kind of building that relationship and the back and forth. That is really awesome. And I want to thank you for sharing that. Uh, and, and see, just to emphasize what Christy, you said before, is that if we expect people to open up to us, we have to open up ourselves and we have Absolutely. to be willing. Right. So this is a great point. Uh, David, uh, please uh, share what you have in mind and what you want to add to this conversation. Hi, Christy. Thanks. It's fascinating listening to you. This is somewhat related, I believe, to communication. But my question is, how do you deal with either the reality or the perception that there may be different objectives or different goals in your risk? For example, maybe one group or silo is just looking at hazard on a component and another one might be looking at safety overall and is there a difference how do you how do you reconcile that is that more a communication issue or a technical issue interesting go ahead christy yeah great question thanks for thanks for speaking up i appreciate it um with the small teams there you know you've got five people on the team total so there's less there's less silos i think and there's more opportunity for for cross collaboration um but i do think i do think what i see david is difference in the extent that risk management should be done right and there and you can definitely go too far with it so i see um you know i'll see a systems engineer or a quality person want to go spend 40 hours a week for three months or five or six months on risk management. And then I'll have the CEO come in and say, but we don't have time. We don't, we don't have money to pay you to do that for those (laughs) six months full time. So I see more of like the motivation is like, how do you balance? um, You know, you have the technical differences where one person is looking at uh, um, the different systems that, the different components uh, and someone else is looking at the systems level. And I think it's okay for those things to be separate, but what I've seen cause more consternation on teams is really like the motivation question and the resourcing question and um, the ability to balance both and like understand, um, understand where the other person is coming from. You know, that CEO, most CEOs of startups right now, terrified. (laughs) They're it's it's impossible to raise money right now. It's yeah. it's terrifying. So you know, six months of a, one of their five resources not making progress on something that they think is useful <laughs> um, is super scary for them. And many times these kind of expectations or motivations they are not spoken. Right? They are not. Uh, it's like the elephant in the room sometimes. It is. And, and sometimes as risk practitioners and facilitators, we have recognized. And that's where I think empathy could be important to really read the room, to understand what is important and help people strike the right balance. Uh, We don't want to kind of um, uh, stifle any opinions or disagreements. So Christy, I think I would probably have a follow-up question on that. um, I'm sure it takes a little bit of work to bring these opinions out 
and then align people on a common goal. Uh, can you share your experience about how you you have tried to manage that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things I've done. Um, kind of my favorite thing to do is get out of the conference room. Mm-hmm. So I've actually um, I have a team in Boise, Idaho that um, I took the whole executive management team for a hike in the foothills. Mm-hmm. And I had some slides, super simple um, that we cast to their phones. So they could sort of follow along. Maybe maybe a few words or a couple sentences in a picture or something. But, um, you know, most of it is just conversation. When you change the scenery and get people out of, you know, out of their dress shirts and into comfy clothes in a place where they can breathe fresh air and look around. And it really helps them just connect with other people and disarm in a way where it doesn't seem like you're the CEO and I'm, you know, the scientist or the engineer and I should have some kind of innate fear. It's also a little bit of coaching on the executive team to make themselves um, approachable mm-hmm. and enc- encourage curiosity and that question asking. Like, I want you to ask me. I want you to challenge me. I want you to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I will show you over time that I'm not gonna you know, bite your head off when you do that. Mm-hmm. And and bring bring such kind of a people element and team element in it. So, uh, guys, this is very fascinating conversation. I, I invite you to participate. Uh, David, Becky, please please hang in there because uh, you know. Uh, we have time and we will continue our conversations, but I want to give uh, an opportunity for other people to also join us. Uh, share your thoughts. What what it is that um, you find challenging in your team environment or when you're working on you know, things that have to be done, risk management, quality management, and product development, all, the, all of that has to be done. And you're working through your teams. What do you find challenging and how you bring it all together? Please share your experience as well. So Becky, I want to actually have a I have a follow up question for you because um, you have also a lot of experience in the uh, small startup space. I know you shared your thoughts in that um, conversation with us. Which, by the way, everybody, uh, the recording will be available soon on that conversation. Uh, but uh, you, you talked about influence. You talked about communication. You talked about winning hearts and minds. And do you have anything to add to what uh, Christy has shared with us? Oh boy, Naveen, you're putting me on the spot here. Yes, <laughs> yes. Once you come on stage, you cannot you cannot run away, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're forever. You're forever, forever. But but thank you uh, for for you know just just speaking up. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I uh, I, I think it's influence is something that, and as I'm as I'm reading this book, I'm I'm having to come to terms with what influence actually is and how to use it in a in a good way versus a bad way, um, because the the way that this author is explaining the different um, kind of levers of influence, I mean, we can we can see negative examples um, in our in our world in every area, um, but there's it, it's so easy to turn from influence to manipulation or something with a more negative mm-hmm. connotation. Um, so I, I think you always have to remember that it's not just about doing, getting people to do what you want them to do, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that you yourself are acting in an in an ethical way and not not getting people to do something that they shouldn't do or taking shortcuts or or uh-huh. anything like that. So it's basically staying focused on the overall business and team goal and not make it as your personal agenda. 
is what I'm exactly. hearing. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. Uh, Ed, I know you have joined us, so I want to invite you to share your thoughts. Go ahead, please. Well, thank you, Naveen. And uh, I noticed earlier Andy had his hand up, but I think he took it down. Um, I uh, have learned, I've gotten to know Christy very well uh, over the last couple of years. And the thing that I saw with her was that different perspective we're talking about today, that small company um, that's a startup that just getting into the industry. Most of the time, what we run into in the risk management world is those big company people uh, that uh, have those big organizations with lots of money and uh, compared to the startups at least. And, and this perspective that she's bringing, I think, is very important for us to, to uh, think about. But the other thing is um, she's real creative with approaches on things that it would work in our big companies, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, is that uh, well, taking the, the group out of their environment uh, and, um, and having your meetings somewhere else and uh, get out of that... Uh, uh, in the old days, we used to call it the white shirt and tie thing, but that's not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is such a great that's point. That's my age. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, I was going to ask the same question, Ed, and I, I brought you brought up a good point that why can't we do this in a big company? I, why do we feel kind of constrained or restrained? So that's a great point and good challenge for us. Now, Andy, I know you have been trying to, uh, to, to come and we are having some technical difficulties, so I'm glad that you have shared your comment by messaging with me. So I'm going to bring that up. Uh, uh, Andy, you are sharing that um, it's empathy is very critical if you are aiming higher than simple compliance. It's a very good point. As safety critical engineers, we need to be more mindful of the purpose of functional safety as far more than a checklist because we are making judgments. I think we are making at the end of the day judgments and trade-offs about design decisions, about what would be safe and still be practical Right, we're making all, and it's a judgment. So that's a great point that striving just beyond compliance is where uh, empathy can actually help you because that brings the best out of people. So, uh, Christy, do you have uh, you know anything to share on that point? Does that make sense to you? It makes sense, and I actually really love some of the guidance in um, IASO two four nine seven one in its um, in its geniusness that helps craft it, it gives you the ability to craft um non-black like make decisions that are not black and white when it comes to implementing risk management for a company or for a, a, a particular product yeah. um an example would be like you know your risk acceptability policy right like your your policy for how you uh how you scope the risk management activities and what your acceptability is for um, individual risks and for risk overall, it's it's so, it can be so different and and that's a way that I think like when you have a low risk device, um, that's a great way to say like you know we have limited resources or um, you know we don't want to over design the device mm-hmm. yeah. and you know we can keep these controls in place to keep that from happening that way. So there's some that's why I love risk management, right? It's like it's a, there's it's a, there's yeah. guy it's an art. Yeah. And it's not a black and white situation. So uh, that's a great point. Andy, you finally made it. You you made it. I, I invite you to unmute your mic and share what you have in mind and how, how you came up with that thought that is pretty relevant, I think, for this discussion. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know what the uh, the problem was about you. Yeah, I have to say you um, you phrased it perfectly. That's exactly what I meant to say. Um, it's just from experience, really. I think if you're giving a, if you're given a checklist, it's very easy to follow the checklist. Mm-hmm. It's the same as if you're given um, just given some direction. Then your first impulse is to follow the direction and not employ any sort of higher brain function mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. to try and understand to try and uh, disassemble. Uh, decompose what, what you're trying to achieve. And I think um, as a manager in the past and as an engineer, I've often had to try and cram, try and change what I'm doing to fit the shape of the functional safety standard I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And that means I've got extra work to do. And for me, it's 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 frustrating. I think this is artificial work. I shouldn't have this difficulty. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's like cycling into a headwind. I think it's it's so frustrating. I don't mind cycling in the rain; that's fine. But cycling into a headwind just, yeah. just I don't know. Yeah, presses my buttons. So I think it's just wasted effort. And I think if when you allow someone the space and you give them the encouragement and the support, and you say, "Okay, this is this is appropriate. I see. I see the point. I agree. This is more appropriate. It's not my task. Maybe as the uh, as the authority." Mm-hmm. To, to still demonstrate compliance with a functional safety standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, oft, I've always had very rewarding, um, it's hard, but it's, it's always a rewarding experience to, uh, to demonstrate compliance in a, slightly, in a new, perhaps slightly, slightly different way. Yeah. I think it's, empathy is part of the trust. Um, it's just part of that human connection. Uh, mm-hmm. And without it, I, th- I do think it's, at, at least for me, it's very hard to, to go beyond the um, uh, just satisfying things at a, a checkbox. Yeah. It, it's more complicated than that, but that, that's the overall point I wanted to make. Oh. And I totally get the, the the point that large companies and small companies are um, uh, completely different working environments, and that plays into it too. The whole picture is, um, mm-hmm. is very big and beautiful. This is a very fascinating conversation, right, guys? Because the point here is, as risk practitioners, not only do we have to know the requirements, not only do we have to know what is expected you know, and what might be perceived as non-compliant, but we also have to work with our teams. We also have to be good facilitators and good leaders. And that's where uh, I think the key message here is empathy being a leadership skill in this role. So as risk yeah. practitioners, we are also acting as leaders. So like always, we run short on time. So I'm going to give Christy a couple of minutes to uh, sort of collect her thoughts and share some closing comments in a few minutes on this topic that we can take away with us. But in the meantime, I would uh, like to again share a few housekeeping notes with you guys. Uh, This has been, again, a tremendous, tremendous experience like every week and many of you show up. Those of you who are new, guys, we do it at 11 a.m. Eastern every Friday. So uh, mark it on your calendars. You don't have to sign up or register. It should show up in your LinkedIn feed. And if you miss this, you can find recordings on our Let's Talk Risk newsletter. I invite you to sign up. You will find the link in the event section, event announcement. The first comment has the link. You can sign up. And right now, guys, um, I'm gonna really se- I'm celebrating our success for the last over the five months or so, and I'm actually offering you free 30 day uh, trial period to access my premium content that I'm developing over time to help our colleagues. So take a look at that. Uh, finally, what I want to say to you is be a part of it. Become a part of it by 
expressing your opinions like many of you have have done today. And if you have something to share, something interesting to share, please raise your hand and get in touch with me. Love to have you as a guest on this program. No preparation needed. You have you don't have to make any slides, anything like that. So it's easy, simple, and uh, completely stress-free. Uh, with that, Christy, I want to invite you to share any closing comments you have that we can uh, take away from this discussion today. Sure. Yeah. Um. One one of the sayings we use at Product is doing big things requires doing human things. This is, and we find that that kind of filters through all of the all of the the advisory work we do and and partnering with our teams to help them. Um. So I would love to hear from anyone else if we if we don't have time for you to pop on stage. Shoot me a LinkedIn message. Tell me some strategies that you use to kind of break through the um, the barrier to risk risk management and quality management system adoption. What are some creative approaches you've taken? Um, you know, if you work at a small company at some point, you've probably felt like you're alone on an island yelling and no one's listening. I've been there. I get that. Tell me about it. Send me a message. Let's talk it through. Um, let's help each other and, and help build this community some more. That's awesome, Christy. Thank you again. And guys, this is another uh, key message to uh, sort of highlight here. Uh, one of the advantages of this event is that you can build new relationships. Reach out to Christy, reach out to anybody on this uh, panel today, and also anybody in the audience. Did you know that you can message them directly right from here on your panel? Uh, don't spam them. You know, introduce yourself professionally and get in touch because what we are also trying to do, as Christy said, build a community. And community happens only when people reach out to each other. So I invite you to take advantage of this and and make new connections. Uh, there are many people in the audience I know personally who have enormous expertise in risk management, enormous knowledge. Uh, you know, just check in with them. Introduce yourself. I'm sure they'll be very happy to connect. Just please don't spam, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, I'll get in trouble. Uh, with that, <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't spam anybody. Uh, be professional and kind, but you have an opportunity to build new relationships. Christy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and insights in such an open way. I, I loved it. I, I love the way you have uh, shared your experience. David, Andy, Ed, and Becky, uh, loved you being a part of this. And I know you raise your hands all the time and you come and take a part and uh, you know, share your ex expertise and insights, which is what the purpose is. So thank you all, guys. Um, have a good weekend ahead, and we will connect again next week. Take care, everybody. Good stuff. Thanks, Naveen. Thank you.